Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Bloody Good Horror. My name's Eric, and I will be your host for this evening, where we will be reviewing Hatching. This is a a Finnish horror film, you might say, from the land of Schnarz's people, which we'll be discussing tonight. Joining me tonight, the baby bird himself from Manhattan, New York City. Please welcome John Schnars. Eric, I invite you to pronounce the Finnish name of this film. No, thank you. Have you seen it? It's, uh, <laughs> you you it's do. Long. You do, John. You also live like in like a little little nest up in the sky too. Like it, the whole thing really fits. <laughs> I mean, uh, you're referencing an older apartment. My my <laughs> new apartment is on the second floor, so it's eh, sort of it's still in the sky. There's pigeons that live at this level for sure, but. Still in the sky, it counts. Yeah. Unless the first floor is one of those like half underground floors, which are a nightmare, and I could never live in one of those places. No, no, no. It's called a garden level, but no. yeah, yeah. It's called prison, is what it looks like. There's usually some <laughs> bars, you know. It's yeah, kinda... you do want the bars. Next yeah, up, next up tonight from the Pacific Northwest. Please welcome Ariel to the show. Hi, thanks for having me back. I always forget. Is it Portland? Yeah, I live in a suburb outside of Portland. Gotcha. Like 20 minutes away. Very mm-hmm. nice. And last up tonight from Noblesville, Noblesville, Indiana, please welcome Casey to the show. Hello. Put we- Noblesville on the map. One yeah, would argue. that's right. We all, uh, we all visited Noblesville once on the yeah. way to Indianapolis for a convention. You know, it's funny, but there is one guy from Noblesville. I didn't know him or anything. He like graduated from high school here that I guarantee you've seen him on TV before. He's a big character actor. He was in Gotham, a couple hmm. other shows like that, been in a couple movies. So you'd be surprised. What's his name? Drew something. I don't remember his last name. Unfortunately. Drew, Drew something. I like it. <laughs> but I like to think of him as the second most famous person from Noblesville. So. Mm-hmm. To be fair, though. Every time we see him on TV, our response is, hey, it's that guy from Noblesville. So I didn't even tell the story on the show that I was like uh, going to like the um, third rate amusement park that's up here in upstate New York. And was my voice was recognized by the security guard who was like a 17 year old girl. <laughs> I was like, I had no idea anyone under like 30 listened to our show. So that's kind of amazing. <laughs> She was like, are you on TikTok? I feel like I know your voice. I'm like, no, I'm like on a podcast. And she's like, oh my God. That was pretty much the whole interaction. <laughs> my daughter, my daughters <laughs> thought it was cool. Aww. <laughs> so there you go. Drew Powell for the record. Love it. Well, we are here tonight to review Hatching. I mean, the only thing I'd really like to review, John, is our relationship. Because I'd like to know why you made me watch this movie. This was, oh, no. We discussed it at the <laughs> end of last episode. It was like recommended to us by I'm several just, people. I'm and, just kidding. Uh, Listen, there's like a mood I'm in where I'm just like, I know I'm submitting myself to something I'm going to hate here and I'm too tired to fight it. And that's kind of where we were with this movie. I feel it. Yeah. I feel like you were starting off on the wrong foot. Sometimes I'm just here. like, fine, just, just let it happen to me. You know, you owe the fins more than that. The fins? <laughs> oh, I don't know about that. All right, let's do it. Let's take a quick break and discuss hatching. It is a, I assume, I assume they speak Finnish over there, John. Is that a language? Yeah. I assume so, right? It is very Germanic. It's got that, um, it's a little softer, but it's definitely got that kind of brutalist, like, 
touch to it. I, I, feel like. I think the Finns would take great offense to that. I mean, <laughs> you mean the language or like which part? Like, I just mean the language. I just mean the yeah. way it sounds to my, um, you know, heathen ears. It's, I don't know that they're that closely related. I think it's probably more closely related to Russian than to German. Inch, well, but, another severe language. So that would make sense. Yeah. Um, I have, I mean, you all were joking. I, so I don't have actual any Finnish heritage, but I do have a Finnish aunt. Oh. Yeah. My father, my father's oldest brother married a woman from Finland who is uh, delightful. I believe it was a German prince that we found that one time that looked exactly like you. Yeah, yeah, that's that is true. Hair schnorris, the Finns. I've I would love to visit Finland. I've never been. It looks Um, lovely. Yeah, Yeah. my and my cousins. My cousins lived in Belgium for a little bit when they were growing up, and then they like. Although much like although much like Midsummer, we are visiting this place in what has to be by far the most beautiful time of year. Like it's just. Yeah. Like, yeah. What does this place look like six months from this movie? Like, that's what I know. <laughs> but I was asking uh, before we started tonight if Schnarz got if you got hit by a wave of nostalgia from this because there's a whole lot of Schnarzy looking people at the. I family. mean, everyone's <laughs> like real Aryan in this movie, like just real. <laughs> Which is weird. Like I don't like. I think it's a different, you know, gene pool. Well, let's say maybe you are finished, John. Yeah, maybe I did. I've done the twenty three in me. They give you the kind of like yeah. Well, what 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 were your results? So a lot of like Scottish, and then there's some German in there. My dad's side is like come from fucking all over. Yeah, it's like really all over. So man, Scotch German mostly. Well, I am mostly um, Irish and French Canadian, John, which goes along with the themes of tonight's film, which is repressed emotions. <laughs> <laughs> So we have that on tap tonight. Why don't you uh, bring us the word of the day? Eric, today's word, albumen. That's A-L-B-U-M-E-N. I, I dare word. say this is, yeah, this is a word that Eric uh, could define. Um, I, I'll give you one interesting tidbit. So albumen is the egg white or mm-hmm. the protein contained in it. However, and I was looking at this it there is an alternate spelling a-l-b-u-m-i-n which at least based on what i'm seeing is a simple form of the protein that is soluble in water yeah 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 so like it's it's strange to me there's like the e-n and the i-n and and the dictionary definitely differentiates them but uh the albumin is definitely the, the egg white part uh and it comes to us the latin word albus means white interesting i ate a lot of eggs like a lot. Mm. I, I mean, I knew that about you. Are mm-hmm. you still? I've just assumed like now you eat like ground up chalk sometimes. That's, <laughs> that's like the one thing you can. No, like but tums. I do have multiple <laughs> containers. <laughs> I do have multiple containers of egg whites in my fridge right now. Yeah. You don't even, you know, yolks. No, I do yolks, but it's cheaper to do yolks and then do the like carton egg whites with it than it is to just crack a bunch of eggs and like sift out the whites. It ends up being cheaper in the long run. So, so like I'll do two eggs. I'll do two eggs, and then I'll just fill her up with the egg whites. <laughs> He's not joking either. I, when we had our meet up in Milwaukee, we all came downstairs in the morning, and Eric was already cooking eggs. He's like, "Guys, want some eggs?" We're oh, like, yeah, yeah, that's no, that's chi- <laughs> that's child's play. I've upped my egg game since then. But yes. <laughs> 
your primary form of protein. It's a delicious, complete food, John. You don't need much I, else. I mean, in I life. do love eggs. Like you yeah. don't have to sell yeah. me. In fact, I, another funny BGH-related egg story is I remember. It was actually the day maybe that we did our first ever meetup. We did like a little baby meetup in New York City. It was like kind of a test run. Like, will anyone come out to this? And um, we what we what we used to do is we do sort of business trip slash meetup things. And like, so we would go over some business stuff. And then we, anyways, well, that morning we go to John's house and he's like, oh, I'll make you guys breakfast. And he starts making eggs. And mind you, there's like, five of us there at least plus like john's wife john's making like 10 eggs and i remember like <laughs> sitting there with like anxiety being like this this kid this is not enough eggs for everyone <laughs> this can't possibly be the only amount of eggs he's making then you put then you set um a paper towel on a burner which gives me more anxiety than like almost anything in life <laughs> like don't do that. I didn't Still, know you were going through so much. This was ten years trip. ago, and I will never yeah. forget. I, I, re- I actually remember Eric freaking out about the uh, paper towel. <laughs> don't do that. Just don't do it, dude. The um, yeah. I mean, eggs. They are delicious. I, like, but aren't you not supposed to eat like a ton of them? Isn't it's, that like uh, a thing? Listen, my cholesterol is immaculate, and so is my blood pressure. So. I was going to say with as little else that he eats other than eggs, I'm sure he balances out. (laughs) Thank you. John, speaking of eggs. Well, I was going to ask, did you get hungry while you were watching this? (laughs) Like, damn, (laughs) damn, son, that's a big egg. Um, Why don't you tell me about hatching? Hatching. Yeah, I mean, look, I don't have a lot of background on this. It sounds like some folks may have done a little more research. Um, This is a Finnish film directed by Hannah Bergholm. Um, and it is, it is about, it is the story of Tina, Tinja. How do we, Tina, it's basically Tina, but with a J in there. But I think they pronounce it with a Y in the movie. Tina. Tina, who is, I believe, 11, 12. Um, So she's, you know, she's like a preteen, but on the, she's on the precipice of Teen, teendom um, and her mom uh, her dad and then she has a little brother Taro it's this, it's this like little family and the film opens the mom is like uh, an influencer I think that's her only job yeah she's that's like, like a how, mommy vlogger yeah the, yeah the director describes her as an influencer okay um, she's, stri- she's a striving influencer like she's definitely like thinking a lot about growing her influence the dad <laughs> that is what some they do like white collar thing right bank banking sure. presumably um you know and they've got this like nice you know upper middle class life they're not like super duper rich like i mean whatever it's like normal this family. this neighborhood looks so amazingly truman show fake but like i believe this is what all of finland looks like that's it's Got, That's look, my only you got a reference. robust safety net, right? Like you can <laughs> one of the highest, uh, you know, what is it? Life expectancies in the world, Iceland, and they're doing something right. Um, so, so in any event, this like in the very beginning of the film, a bird comes into their house, like flies into the house, and, like ruins this sort of like family influencer moment the mom's trying to have. They finally chase this bird down. The mom. Instead of like throwing it back outside, the mom kills the bird. They put it in the trash. And then T- Tina 
finds an egg in the woods. And I don't know if it's like explicitly said that it is the egg of the bird, but like that was at least like sort of the implication. She brings the egg back to the house and she hides it in her, in her room and sort of nurtures it to, to some extent. But the egg over the next like week goes from normal egg size to dinosaur egg, like substantially large. Um, And then basically the end of act one, a giant bird human thing hatches out of this. Yeah. I think like, uh, it reminded me of dark crystal, the creature design. Yeah. Like a little, well, it was basically like a bird face, like some like kind of bird wings, very lightly feathered though. And then these like weird bony scrawny appendages. Um, and Tina like, befriends it or, or decides like rather than freak out like tell anyone she like protects it hides it in her room she starts this process of feeding it like bird style where she chews up or swallows a bunch of food and then vomits it into a bowl or you know onto the ground and the bird eats it um and they this bond begins to form between them um and you know the rest of the film is is really about Tina, her relationship to her mom, uh, her own transition, you know, away from being just a, a kid or a young girl to like, I don't know, a woman, a wo- young womanhood. Um, and then, you know, and and the bird kind of has a role to play in that, that arc. Um, there is like a weird uh psycho relationship that they have where psychophysical where like if the bird something happens to the bird something happens to tina like she can sort of like see what the bird's doing there's some light murder that starts happening in and around the house um light murder i like that sounds that sounds like a um uh oh what is that the religious website that reviews movies (laughs) well does it Light Does murder. anyone get actually fully murdered? It's just the no. animal. There's like a the neighbor's dog gets. Yeah, the dog definitely gets it. And then that girl that she becomes friends with, her next door neighbor, she gets seriously maimed. Yeah, yeah, right. And then there's but an attempted Marisa. murder towards Rita. the end of the baby, but that's that's it. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So so that I don't know. We'll stop there. We can we can kind of pick up the rest of the narrative as we go. All right, Ariel, what do you think? So I don't know if I'm going to be feeling really different from the rest of you, especially considering what Eric has already said about this, but I love this movie. Uh, This is actually the third time I've talked about it on our podcast, More Deadly. We actually interviewed Hannah Bergholm when this movie first came out. Um, Ariel, you're (laughs) very lead on us here. Like, give us us the Hannah Bergholm story. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and then I actually went on Plug It Up to review it there when Caitlin did that episode oh. earlier you're in like the year, the, too. You're like the hatching expert. <laughs> I mean, I've talked about it a lot because I think there's a lot to this movie. I mean, like you were saying, I love that this movie focuses on that preteen girlhood thing because that doesn't get covered a lot in movies, especially not in horror movies. And when it does, it's often focused around boys and crushes. And this is very much a personal story about Tina and her evolution. Um, so I think that's really cool. Well, and the mother relationship, right? Like, I yeah. think that's fairly yeah. central. The mother-daughter dynamics and what's going on there are super interesting. And I think that 
you've got this sort of perfectionist mom who uses her daughter to like, you know, fulfill her own dreams and as part of her social media empire or whatever. Um, and even uses her as kind of an inappropriate confidant in the movie. And so there's all this really Very interesting. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> that's fair. <laughs> so I think all of that is really interesting. And as we talk more about like what happens to the bird, I think there's a lot of interesting like mirroring between what's going on internally with Tina and what's happening with this bird. And like you were saying, repressed emotions, um, and the creature design is great. So in the interview that I did with Hannah Bergholm, apparently she had designed a creature and thought that she wanted to do it as a puppet and she didn't know who could make it. So she basically went online and looked up who's the best puppeteer in the world, found this guy who has done puppets for like Jurassic Park, um, the new ones, the whatever those ones are called, Jurassic World. And yeah, yeah, and um, Star Wars movies and stuff like that. And she just cold called him and said, hey, would you be willing to work on my little indie film? And he agreed and he designed the bird for her. So yeah, which like you were saying, does have very dark crystal labyrinth kind of vibes. Mm -hmm. Was it was it the guy from Mad God? (laughs) (laughs) Phil Tippett action. Yeah, Phil. I know who he is now. I guess he's like a miniature. It's Phil Tippett's yeah. Mad God, John. <laughs> no, me. it wasn't him, but I can see the connection there. But I just think there's something so cool about how kind of grotesque and like slimy it is, but it also has these giant emotive eyes that make it kind of, you know, gross and adorable at the same time. And I found that really appealing. So I don't know. I love this movie and all of the stuff it has to say, but. I may be alone in that. I'm not sure. (laughs) Casey. So I like this movie a lot. I don't know that I got as much out of it as Ariel did. Some of it I think was over my head. First of all, though, I was going to say way more uh, vomiting in this movie than we need. Um, (laughs) That's my biggest gripe. (laughs) <laughs> but that's a personal thing, you know? Uh, no, I like this movie and there you could tell, I think I probably didn't connect on like some of the, in a way I did connect on some of the same things that Ariel's about. I was really hit by how much pressure this girl was going through in what seemed to be what had to have been a miserable childhood and dealing with a mother that she can't make happy. And that whole relationship and that dynamic with that little girl, Tina and her mom, then, as that was going, that's really what drew me into this movie because their relationship is very flawed and it's very captured really well. And I think they acted it out really well. Uh, the bird stuff. I, I like the bird, the puppet and stuff like that as we got into that. And I, and there's a couple times and what I appreciate about the writing is there's a couple times I thought I had this movie figured out where they're going. Like, Oh, he's just going to go after everybody she's mad at. And it's going to be that kind of psychic thing. But no, it's more, it turns out it's more than that. At some point I started to wonder if maybe there wasn't a bird thing. And this is Tina dealing with her emotions and how it's coming out. And they're showing that in a monstrous light or something like that. But I don't think that was fully the case either. So that's what I appreciate about this. There's a lot of layers to the writing of this. And I think there's a lot of interpretations you can make and it's not straightforward, which is nice to see in a movie these days that you can't guess the end of because a lot of them are, you know, rubber stamped and feel the same. John. I really like this movie too. I so I was primarily won over when the um, egg starts to come apart and that fucking weird looking bird (laughs) creature comes out. Like it's so weird. It's very very weird. 
Um, but like in a way that I really enjoyed, I, you know, in, in some ways this is like the best kind of B movie creature feature. And, and like, I would categorize it as B movie mainly because it's like lower budget than what sort of American audiences are typically going to be used to, you know, this is probably a big budget movie in Finland. I don't think like Finland's like film industry is not like, yeah, this is actually the biggest budget ever given to a woman filmmaker in Finland. Wow. Yeah. There you go. Good for her. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I mean, like, it's listed on Wikipedia at, like, $3 million or something. Um, 3.9 million uh, euro. So slightly more dollars, I think. I don't know. Um, but in any event, like, it, it, this is, like, it, it's just, like, a fun creature movie. It, it toes the line between almost being, like, too... Um, like I would have actually liked the version where there was a little bit more killing, like where the where the bird like went mm-hmm. like real dark. Sure. Agreed. Um, that's a different movie, right? Like this is a this mm. is like a family drama with creature features. It doesn't it doesn't have to be a different movie. I I think I think there was room for it in there. It's just like your sympathy level for the girl would be different if this bird starts like murdering a bunch of people because we do see her see it do it like there is like a connection there that connection gets a lot deeper and then the ending of the movie which i think is like really powerful like i i um like what the movie has to say and where the movie ends and like we don't see like the next day or anything but i you know it does it it poses a lot of really interesting questions and sort of back to what casey was saying about like is the bird real like it's definitely like there's a level of like it's operating at a metaphorical level, and then the yeah. ending it's a, it's a big, is a pretty dark, yeah, ending. So I don't yeah. know. I, I really enjoyed that. I'm glad you said it too, because that ending really could be metaphorical too, easily. Yeah, well, I, I mean, yeah. I think it's like hugely a metaphor. It's actually one of my bigger kind of nitpicks with it. Like, as a on a personal level, like I think I'd. I think I would preface much of what I have to say in that this is not my kind of movie. So like take whatever I say with a grain of salt. <laughs> Don't get mad at me, Twitter. I thought you were gonna um, it by being by saying you were a grumpy old man. No, but what I mean, <laughs> but what I mean specifically is it's not even the subject matter, because we've seen the only thing I would push back on, um, Ariel is the idea that we don't see movies like this. I would think I would say that like that's would have been super true traditionally or even up to like five years ago. But I feel like we actually mm-hmm. like fairly frequently now review movies that are pretty centered on like the female like adolescent kind of coming of age so i agree with that to a certain extent but i think what i was saying is that usually it's focused on teens like once they reach high school but this sort of more puberty age and this is in between stage when so much is changing about your body your emotions your hormones what society expects of you what your family expects of you are all like massive changes and i don't think we focus on that I mean, I know that's a new right. They're typically like, more about that. like puberty and sexuality and awakenings and like that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. I, I understand what well, you're saying. I think I would say that there's also a big angle on there, kind of like the dance mo- the dance mom problem. We, you know, the moms that are hard on well, their kids, taking sure. dance and stuff. There's that aspect. For me, it's like I, this is like a specific kind of like. I mean, I would call this kind of art housey, even though it is real crazy yeah. and monstery. It's like. To me, it's too metaphor over like plot action, which is sort of one of my beasts with it. And that's just a personal preference. Like I would actually, I didn't like last week's movie either, which I've already forgotten the name of. What was the name of that movie, John? Men. 
men, but I would say men was more interesting than this because it, it was just way more packed with suspense. Like it was way more of a kind of genre movie. I mean, they're two pretty different things, but they're both, they're both in my opinion, like in the fart house. <laughs> <laughs> so like, that's why I'm kind of lumping them together. It's interesting to see these that's two movies back to back. Um, I feel like there are some threads that didn't fully come together with me for me. Like this whole thing about the like mother's lover and like that whole plot just seems like a B plot, like bolted onto this movie that kind of doesn't go anywhere. Cause even like really all that happens is like once the dude kind of gets a real good look at the mother, he's like, Oh, he's like, what, <laughs> what the hell is your beef lady? Um, and like, obviously it does, add, it gives them bringing the baby in, right. It gives you the chance to kind of work with some more suspense. Cause you've got somebody who's like threatened or whatever, but well, he- it, that helps show the mom's personality too. Yeah, it and just, the dynamic between her and the father, and then you also get to see Tina actually kind of experience support and love from this basically a random guy. Yeah, I think that I think that interaction is probably mm-hmm. one of the stronger points of the movie. I'm not sure it super goes super far after that, but I do agree that yeah. was one of the better moments. Um, so I just I didn't I don't think it comes together very well, and I didn't like it that much. I will say that there's some stuff I really enjoyed. I think that this lead actress is actually like really compelling. And I was reading that this was like her first time basically ever on camera. There's a lot of like subtle. She'd never seen a camera. There's a lot of like really subtle, emotional, heavy lifting she's doing here, especially in the way that like the way that she's performative for her mother's sake. And then when her mother leaves the room and the way she's so subtly deflates kind of when her mom leaves the room, like oh, yeah. that's just pretty impressive for somebody who's not at all trained in acting and is like a kid. And I'm usually, I'm historically harsh on child actors, John, as you might know. Yeah. But, I feel like you get to, softening up. <laughs> I feel like you get to know her pretty well, even though she has almost no dialogue in the whole movie. Like Tina doesn't talk very much, but you see so much emotion on her face. Like you were saying in response to things that her mother's saying when her mother leaves the room, I think you really understand what she's feeling and what she's going through. And then the fact that she also has to act as a, spoiler kind of a doppelganger right version of yeah. herself too. yeah i think she's great i also agree i super love the um original creature just like i almost kind of wish it had just stayed a bird because that bird was fucking sweet it's probably <laughs> it would have really it probably cool. made budgetary sense to like have it evolve into more of like a person that can just walk around yeah. uh but the bird was pretty uh pretty weird and cool i think i was hoping for more of like a genre movie out of it and obviously like that's just my expectations versus what it actually is my only other beef really is like, I'm so sick of the cliche of like these like uh, lover like characters being like just like gruff woodworking, but they're also sensitive. Like, okay, answer yeah, me this question. Answer me this question. And Ariel doesn't count because she's in in Portland. Do you know anyone <laughs> that makes furniture, John? Like for the amount of times that this shit is in TV and movies, nobody makes furniture, John. You know who makes furniture? I don't wanna- I don't want to upset Walmart. you, but the guy who lives next door to me in the house that we bought in New Paltz uh, makes furniture. It's in, that's well, that doesn't. I don't know what he does. It's insane. <laughs> it's just it's, it's like so cliche. I don't know. There are other <laughs> ways to show that a character is like sensitive and has depth than to make them this like soulful woodworking character. Like I don't know. It's just annoying. Um, <laughs> it's not that common a trope. I mean, I, your <laughs> point is fair, common. but it's not like everyone. <laughs> I feel like the the it's Nick the, Offerman's like, fault. 
it's just as you know often the lover is like the like flashy you know badass car driving cat like <laughs> you know the inverse yeah but like, they're not sensitive right i got you right, right, right. i understand i understand what you're saying i yeah. see the woodworking yeah. and the sensitivities would you have been happier if it was like he did he made his own furniture but was like kind of a dick like you're like oh that's authentic <laughs> i have no idea. i don't know if anything <laughs> like very sensitive would have made me happy so yeah I, I don't know. it's like a cpa it's not really for me but it's definitely got some interesting things going on under the surface i feel like yeah i was so let's just go on the the um the boyfriend situation <laughs> yes. slash like i feel like the word cuck has been such like uh, it's become <laughs> such like a word in culture like that's like a thing that's existed for a long time but now it's like very common and it's like here it is like this movie is like this dude is uh the poor husband i don't know yeah. what to make of him but um it was weird like i i 100 did not understand exactly what was going on in the dynamics of this I didn't I didn't until I read the interview of the director like she was talking about and it kind of illuminated basically that the husband is like he wants to just pretend everything is okay and he's pretty capable of doing that so he's just gonna try he's kind of a doormat he's gonna pretend to be ignorant of it to just keep things on an even keel basically he's like she like talks about him yeah, like he legit knows what's going on. Right, but like, in other words, what she was saying is like, but he's not going to say anything about it either. Right. He, yeah, like in their daily yeah. life, he's just going to continue to pretend that they're just, just an gonna, average. He's going to go out and garden and like play yeah. his guitar. Yeah. That said, he doesn't want to deal with it. You want to talk a because um, there is a set. The saddest part of the movie is just the disconnect between the kids and the parents, the kid and the parents, and like. It's sad. I mean, all the shit with the mother's really sad, but it's sad in a like aggressive way because the mother's like such a just horrific person. But there's this really subtle scene with the father where he's playing guitar and the girl's in the doorway and she's just learned about Lover Man and she's just looking at him and trying to like connect with him and he's playing his guitar and he's like, okay then. And he just looks down and he goes back to what yeah. he's doing. She's like clearly well, trying to talk to him. I'm like, oh God. Well, there was you know, another moment with her too. Like you're talking about on how great she was with her acting with not even a lot of lines or anything like that or dialogue, because there's another scene where she looked at her dad. Like, I think she was, you could tell that she was struggling with if she should tell him or not. And she looked at him and saw another reaction from him. And you could tell just by on her face, she's like, why bother? He's not going to do anything. He doesn't at one point. He like tells her, he knows what's going on. Yeah. They're at the table. Mm -hmm. yeah, Yeah. And he's sort of like, your mom, she gets what she wants kind of thing. And he, and he's like, that's what I like about her. It was, I'm pretty sure it was something like some kind of, you know, well, did, was that the same conversation where the mom was telling her, I love your dad, but sometimes moms just need more. Oh, I don't know. that was the, gist yeah, I think of that it, was I think. earlier. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I think that the dynamics in the family are so interesting and I love that the costume design kind of tells you a lot about it where the mom and the daughter are constantly looking identical and the father and the son dress exactly the same too. And they're yeah. like khaki pants and, and button down shirts. Oh my God. That Eric son. Was excited. He was getting some outfit ideas. I, fuck, I fucking <laughs> hated that son character so much. Like just the yeah. actor in the kill. Like just. Yeah, he's kind of a, a little shit. I mean, there's no like sibling <laughs> solidarity in there at all between the two of them. I liked yeah, when he just I, I liked when he just parents, walked out. You know? I liked when he just walked out and flopped the dog carcass on the floor. <laughs> I yeah. know. That's what so I was gonna awful. say. How ballsy is that? It's like you don't believe me here. Here's the dead yeah. dog. <laughs> yeah, and and like you were saying, the the mom character is really aggressive and the way that she treats her daughter is 
pretty terrible throughout the entire movie. I mean, it's not just that it's like she wants her to be perfect all the time at everything. And she also is constantly judging her body. And it's just really, really pretty terrible. But I also think that the dad, like you were saying, he's not just a doormat and ambivalent. He's also a really bad father. Like not, he doesn't, he doesn't connect with her at all on anything. He's barely there for the son. They're just sort of like twins, but that's about it. And there's a scene where she's sort of hiding under her bed and there's blood on her bed. And he walks in with the son to kind of like reprimand her and see what's happening. And he is about to leave. And then he sees the blood and he thinks that she's just started her period. And that's why she's like embarrassed. And instead of helping her with like the practical aspects, because her mom's not there or the emotional part, because he thinks she's heartbroken and upset about the fact that this is happening. He just exits stage left. Yeah. And yeah. leaves her too. Yeah. They showed that again later when he saw Ollie as she was turning closer to yes. her girl and saw her outside and thought it was Tina. And he followed her upstairs and she crawled in the closet. He's like, well, sorry. <laughs> My work here is done. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I her. like, go ahead. No, no, no. Go ahead. I was going to say, I like the idea of, I liked how they wrote this mom. And the, her relationship, the daughter, based around her being an influencer, because this is a finished movie, and I think it is a very, in some aspects, a very culturally a finished movie. But the fact that she's an influencer and seeing the problems on the way, like the way her per- personality is, and the struggle it's causing in the family and stuff, I feel is fairly universal in this day and age. And I think that helps it be more relatable to people outside of the country, right? It makes it more acceptable and more easier to intake for us Americans. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, mean, it gives you a good window into that perfectionism too. Cause there are subtle things like, you know, when Tina is upset because she didn't point her toe during the video when she was doing her gymnastics stuff and she's so upset about it and her mom's like, Oh, that's okay. We'll just edit it out. Not it's okay that you made a mistake or you'll do better next time or any kind of supportive parenting stuff. It's just, we can yeah. edit that out and make you look perfect. Mm-hmm. And that yeah. she does that kind of stuff throughout the whole thing. There's the part at the end where she's, you know, Tina has messed up at her competition and her mom is like making a video saying, you know, it's, it's okay. You know, sometimes screw ups happen and that's just a part of life, but she keeps doing it over and over again. Cause she messes up and she wants the perfect take. Well, it gets like increasingly more negative. I feel like the last take is like she then just like focuses on like how she feels and like how it is in her. It's super toxic. It's really really bad. (laughs) I even thought like the relationship with Tina and the neighbor girl, uh, Rita, Retta, uh, that was kind of like a heartbreaking angle of this story, too, because the girl, they'd even talked about how Tina didn't have a lot of friends. She made a friend. She was excited about it. And mom was playing along until she saw that she was competition for a spot on the, uh, you know, for that spot on the team in the performance and whatnot. And Tina was aware of that, that she, they were going, they were both the girls knew they were going for the same spot. They didn't care. They were happy and having fun, but mom had to turn that around. That's heartbreaking. And that was really captured well too. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I was going to, can I give my read on the ending and I want to see, especially Ariel, you've, you've interviewed that you've spoken to the director, so you can probably confirm or deny this one way or the other. And Eric, I don't know if it was in the the thing you're reading, but like, so because the bird, the bird goes through this transition to the point where it, it basically is just like, it's like dark Tina. Yeah. Um, 
And so then you get this scene where the mother is like, finally, you think coming to like the realization of like, all right, like my daughter is struggling. I'm going to like help her. But like her solution is I'm going to attack, like stab dark Tina instead of see if we can like reconcile the like good and the bad qualities of my daughter. You know, if we're speaking in metaphor and then so goes to stab dark Tina instead kills good Tina. And now what is left uh, in this family is basically like the bad Tina. Yeah. Um, And it's sort of like the mom has like recreated the daughter, you know, the same way she was in her own image. Yeah. 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 It theoretically created. Yeah. So. Uh, because we interviewed her before the movie came out, we couldn't talk directly about exactly the ending. But my take on it was was pretty similar to that. I think that her doppelganger, the Allie, the the one that the you know the bird turns into, is really a representation of that that teen angst, that re- that anger that she's feeling at that age, that repressed anger, the rebellion against like the perfectionism of her mom. She really is all of that shadow stuff, like you were talking about that Tina can't express herself because it's not allowed in her family. Right. And I think that the beginning scene where the bird comes into the house is really a mirror of what happens at the end, because this bird comes in and starts, you know, destroying the perfection that is her mother's living room. Her mom gets angry about it and kills the bird. And in the end, she wants to do the same thing to Allie, right? Allie is this destructive force. She's represents all of Tina's anger and she's ready to kill her. The sad thing is, is that she doesn't kill her like in her attempt to kill or like repress further those that anger and angst she ends up destroying her the entirety of her daughter um and so i think metaphorically that's what it's saying but i do think that you can see on the mother's face at the end her making the decision like oh i can make Allie. Yeah, like, yeah. now I've got this yeah. Yeah. daughter. Like, She's going to do what solved. I want now. <laughs> well, or not yeah. problem solved. It, like, you know, yeah, it's got yeah. a new reality. Yeah. Well, it, it, that's it, that metaphoric aspect of this is what fascinating. Because, I mean, you see signs of it heading that way, too. Like, when uh, Allie, the bird girl, attacks uh, Retta, the friend, when she's walking home from the dance thing. Because... It's obviously uh, Tina had not shown any jealousy up to that point, and it's obviously the jealousy that her mom planted in her head yeah. that made them manifest, right? I love the uh, the creature design in the transition when she has like the human teeth, but they're like growing out yes. of her face. Yeah. Oh boy. That was yeah, cool. really... all this like flesh that's just yeah. kind of hanging. It was really cool. That was a great payoff when they found when she found the top of the beak in the closet or whatever. That, I was like, okay, how are they going to handle this makeup? And they did not disappoint. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think all the stages of the doppelganger looked really cool. Even the ending where her mouth comes sort of apart and becomes huge, you know? Um, I thought that looked really good, too. But you didn't like any of this, huh, Eric? <laughs> Eric was like, it was all dumb. <laughs> <laughs> No, I like, I want dumb. I miss dumb movies a little bit. Listen, it's just where I'm at, man. You know what I watched a couple of weeks ago? This the sequel to Escape Room. Oh, uh, <laughs> yeah. Was fucking, I actually, those movies are dumb, but I think they're pretty fun. Oh, my God. Yeah. The sequel was dumber than I could have ever possibly imagined, and I, yes. I had a good time. I enjoyed yeah. it. Yeah, I, I did too. Did you watch the extended one? 
No, there's no. Well, I don't know. I don't know. Actually, it's a good question. Oh, okay. How if would you I? Didn't you should watch it? <laughs> I need to look into the lore to find out which what's the extended version. Yeah. It's My fun. favorite part about the escape room sequel is they start off and they go, I don't know if you remember this, John, but two people survived at the end of escape room. And no, they, I never saw the first one. Oh, okay. Okay. Oh, they just don't like, they go Jesus. hardcore. They're acting like they're making Halloween kills. Like they go hardcore into immediately. Like here's these two people. You remember who they are. You remember their relationship. You remember that they <laughs> yeah. survived. And this whole fucking movie is going to expand the mythos of these two people. And that's like what the sequel is. It's amazing. Isn't See it how I'm excited <laughs> right now? This is yeah, a tournament yeah. of champions. Yeah. See how excited I am right now, John? This is what I, <laughs> is what I, need <laughs> I mean, I love dumb movies too, but I, I think that yeah. there actually is kind of a nice balance here because there is some stuff with this monster that is dumb, but I just think it has so much more meaning than that. And I mean, even like eating disorder stuff, it goes into that too. You know, we're introduced to Tina by seeing her spine sticking out. Like that's our first. It shot was. Of her. I will yeah, say too, and I'm I'm. I'm not trying to be reductive, although I fear that I am. Okay. But it was hard for me to not think about Black Swan when I was watching this movie because it's so mm. similar. Like now, to your point, Ariel, it is a different part of like adolescence or whatever. I mean, like Natalie Portman's older, obviously, but like, yeah. like you've got she was in that movie, she was like 27. But you have like you have this overbearing stage mother. You've got this kid trained in this sport since they were little who's like anorexic and she's like has no autonomy and like there's bird stuff. I mean, bird stuff like, like, come on. <laughs> like, yeah, it's no, pretty I, I can similar like in a lot of ways. But I just yeah. think they're yeah. also really different movies and kind of talking about slightly different things. But yeah, I, no, I, I take yeah. your point. Oh my God. Oddly enough. I think I maybe you are on the internet, John. I mean, more I than you say. You can't not know it. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag shocker. I still haven't seen Black Swan. Oh, man. Yeah. Wait, what? I need, what? To, fix <laughs> yeah, I need to fix possible? that. Man, Black I missed the episode and I never made it back to it. Have Black? you seen oh Escape Room Tournament of Champions? <laughs> I have. That's there the real go. question. <laughs> I mean, I agree. That's a fun movie. <laughs> I even watched Moonfall last weekend, so. I, dude, I've been eyeing it real hard on HBO because I'm pretty oh. sure it's where I saw it. If you want some roll, if you like some Roland Emmerich stupidity, go for it. <laughs> I do. I'm, I'm here for it. All right. Uh, would you recommend this movie, Ariel? Yeah, of course. Jonathan? Yes. Casey? Yes. I will just say no and leave it at that. Boo! Tournament of Champions, on the other hand, <laughs> I think it's a big thumbs up. Yeah, I would <laughs> did it so. come out this? It's year a little long, like it's a little long, which is pretty presumptive for an escape room. You sequel. must have seen the extended cut, then maybe. Yeah, yeah it's possible. Usually, yeah. when you watch one of those extended cut, like any, I, you know, in the three times I've watched an extended cut, I'm like. Just give me the regular. Like, there's no well, way. Well, yeah, we've been over this. It's never good. Like, yeah, director's yeah. cuts are never good. There's a reason why other people come in and go, hey, cut this shit. Because, like, it usually, <laughs> usually needs to be cut. I I'd make I... an argument for the Lord of the Rings four-hour cuts for all three of those movies, but you have to be a special kind of nerd. But that was also yeah. from an era where it was different. Like, I yeah, think that, so, nerd, like, film, was, nerds that was... are, film nerds that are our age, I think, are used to... 
like so many movies used to have to be censored, especially like horror films that like yeah. director's cut used to be a really exciting thing. Cause you're like, Oh shit, I'm going to see all the stuff that got cut out. But now they're literally just scraping the crap off the cutting room floor and throwing it back in so they can sell another version of it. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, that's true. Where did the artistry go, John? Where's the restraint? All it's usually see. the comedies where I'm just like, what are you doing? I will like, say this. Jokes were cut for no, a reason. comedies are yeah. <laughs> uncut comedies are tragedy. Like they are yeah, so it's awful. Real bad. Yeah, um, it's all part. It's all extra part jokes or poke jokes. Well, because so much. Okay. Especially. All right. Now I'm going to rant. Especially <laughs> with the modern day. I mean, it's not even modern anymore, but like most comedies now are this kind of Apatowian type of thing where, yeah, there's like a script written, but the characters are just going to sit there and riff wild lines on every joke for like 20 minutes. Right. So much of the, the, the quad, like the pacing and the impact of modern comedy films is made in the editing room is made by an editor making like really smart choices about how long to let a joke linger, how many lines to leave in, when to cut away. So then you're just ruining all that in the director's gut. There's not even really comedies anymore, just to be clear. Like, I mean, that there's like literally not comedies that get released in the theaters, at least. But you're right on the Apatow movies. Those were the ones where they were doing the extended cuts and they were all yeah. a hot mess. I, one of my favorite movies is um, Hot Tub Time Machine. And I remember accidentally watching an extended cut of that once. And the second a scene came up that I recognized, I like violently turned it off. I was like, no, I'm not going to do this. <laughs> I refuse. How dare you? All right, everyone. Three thumbs up for hatching. I won't leave it at that. Hope you, uh, or not hope you, we're not done yet, John. Let's take a quick break ah. and do some fan mail. Brain ah! scan. It's interactive, dude. You're in the game. Intense. Hello, Michael. Insane. <laughs> interactive. Never leave home without it. And totally out of control. Brain scan. Game over. You lose. Rated R. At theaters now. Hi there, I'm Judith O'Day from George Romero's original Night of the Living Dead, and you're listening to Bloody Good Horror. Send feedback to info at bloodygoodhorror.com or on Twitter using hashtag AskPGH. Join Patreon to get back episodes and much more. Patreon.com slash bloody good horror. And we're back. Man, shout out to all those uh, BGH fans, John, that send in questions every week, because both Casey and I flaked and got stuff up real late, and we got a bunch of banger questions. I'm pretty excited. Hmm. Hey, really quick, because we we talked about it like several weeks ago, and then we completely forgot. Uh, we, can we just do three minutes on Black Phone, which we watched, or at least I watched, because I thought we were going to do a show about it, and then we had to cancel the show. Ariel, have you seen Black Phone? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've seen it. Where did you land? 
I liked it. I know a lot of people didn't, but I thought it was pretty fun. I, I wish it was it darker than it was, but I liked I it. I did not care for it. Okay. I, I also, I also did not care for it. I'm with Ariel. It felt like a really bland, like um, it felt like a, a ABC school after school special with a little more violence. That's what it felt like to me. Interesting. See, to me, it felt more like a late seventies, early eighties kind of movie that's geared a little more towards kids that I would have watched at like a slumber party mm. growing up. Do you know I, what I mean? I also hated the way it looked. It's a very like, specific. It felt. <laughs> this is like a really weird specific nitpick, but I hated the way it looked. It felt so fake seventies. It was basically mm. like um, I felt like they hired the dude who did the flashback scenes in Halloween Kills, which looked like absolute trash, oh, and had him make yeah. that aesthetic into an entire movie. That's not unfair. Yeah. I, I can so, This is like a whole separate conversation we can have at some point. But like, I didn't know anything about it. I Like, other literally than seeing the posters, which were kind yeah. of all over, especially in New York. And the credits come up. I saw it was Joe Hill, like, or it was a Joe Hill story, or he, like, produced, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah, and he made the short story. It was yeah, it was a on. short I, like a lot of, and I, and I have not, re- I don't, I don't know that I've read any of Joe Hill except Lock and Key, the comics, but, um, when it gets translated into film, it feels like watered down Stephen King to me. Like yeah, that, like, I think that's pretty fair. This movie, I was like, oh yeah, this is hitting like some of the same like themes and even like time periods that you'd see in Stephen King. Sure. But yeah. to Eric's point, like PG level, like I'm like, where? Just, yeah. I don't know. I did like. I can see I that did, with this movie. I not so much with horns. I did think. I really liked horns. I did think. Um, horns was better. You're probably that's fair. But I did think Ethan Hawke was like pretty hammy in a way. I enjoyed. It. I just wished it was in like a better movie. The other thing, and like now I'm remembering because this was the other thing I wanted to talk about. I saw this movie like three months ago at this point. I think. Yeah. The all of the tension in the film is based around. This is like full spoilers, so people, should, if you're gonna watch it, like ghosts telling him things the ghost can just tell him everything at once but instead <laughs> Why the, it... the tension of the movie is about the fact that the ghosts don't tell him everything at one time why wouldn't a ghost to show me like all right brother here's the deal okay yeah that, this this, this. <laughs> he has to like solve the puzzle of like, the ghosts like half telling him stuff at different times i don't it's know like, i thought that was fun though, listen john solving the puzzle john the ghosts and, the ghosts are bored all right they're trying to draw it out a little bit well that's anytime I mean, not. I'm sure someone can find an example of a movie that I liked that does this. But like, anytime the like tension is based on like, you know, characters like just not knowing things that they like. Well, it, like he would never. It would be impossible for him to know. So you have to believe that these ghosts exist, and then that the ghosts have some motivation to like not tell him at like the, I don't know the right time. It was just very strange. I don't know, John. Have you ever tried to make a collect call from the afterlife? I doubt it. <laughs> <laughs> well, and they kept getting cut off because he would like come into the room or whatever. But yeah. I don't know. I, they, I see that call they're... him another time. Like they can, they're ghosts. <laughs> they can fucking see where the guy is. It could it's be like... harder than you think. It could be. I think that there are definitely flaws with this movie. But one, I thought the little girl was really fun. Because like I was saying, she reminded me of the sort of spunky child characters you used to get more in movies. I'm here for the, I'm, I was here for the sister. Yeah. So yeah. I liked her. I thought the mask and the way it changed, depending on kind of his emotion and stuff, was really cool too and i thought that ethan hawk had a definite quiet menace about him there's a scene where he's sitting and he's like falling asleep in a chair and the kid tries to sneak up mm-hmm. and he he's asleep he's not moving but i thought he was terrifying in that scene yeah. i thought he was really scary so i don't know there's a lot i liked i wouldn't have minded if there was more um 
I hesitate to say violence in it because I know that the plot is based on the fact murder. that he's like <laughs> not just child murder, but it's implied that he's sexually abused them beforehand too. Yeah, yeah, so I, right. I don't, yeah. I don't need to see any of that, but yeah. I just mean like, like pure, just like killing people kind of thing, you know, or that yeah. the kidnapping itself was like a little scarier. I think I enjoyed it more as like a serial killer thriller than yeah. a straight up horror movie. Yeah. I don't know. I liked it, but I know that a lot of people didn't. And I think some of it was the marketing too. I think it was marketed as being a much darker film than it actually yeah. was. So I think people were set up a little bit for failure there. All right. I'm glad we got that out of our system though. Thank you. <laughs> you feel better, John? That wasn't even well, questions, like, you know, right? Did, we didn't I get did to questions. I it for the show that we ended up having to cancel. And I was like, God, I got, we got to talk about this. I was very angry. Um, <laughs> before we jump into Twitter here, your reminder that if you would like a live streaming video version of the show, you can go to patreon.com slash bloody good horror and check us out. Get back episodes, get the classics feed, get Slack and the live stream, all kinds of good stuff. Check us out on Patreon. Um, Ariel, what's going on on the zombie girls these days? Yeah, so um, we've got a lot of stuff going on uh, on our show Stream Queens. They are slowly but surely making their way through all of the Hellraiser movies. And as they do that and the movies get worse and worse, they are becoming slightly more unhinged as they talk about it, which has been very entertaining. I edit those episodes and they're really fun. On More Deadly, we just recently reviewed MFA with um, Joe and Trace from Horror Queers, and that was a really good one. And we have an episode coming out um, I think it'll be out by the time your show drops where we talked about sorority house massacre with um, the Jared and Lauren from scary crit. So that was really fun. And then if you follow us on social media, we are ZG podcasts, plural on Twitter and Instagram in an October five days a week. Each day we are going to be releasing a mini video review of a horror short that we're recommending. Yeah. So stay tuned. Nice. Where are you surfacing all these horror shorts? Uh, YouTube mostly and Vimeo. Yeah. And some on shutter too. Cool. Love it. Casey. Yes. Tweets. We have Twitter out there. SBGH. Uh, kudos to you listeners out there. Uh, we didn't get the call out very early tonight, but you guys came through with a ton of questions. So we're excited. First up, we have from at Pigeon underscore Callie. What's the most ill-advised thing you've ever tried to keep as a pet? <laughs> That's a good question. It is. <laughs> um, I think I've told this story before, but when I was a kid, we took in like a little teeny baby turtle that we found in my grandmother's and then looked it up and found out it was a snapping turtle. Oh, no. <laughs> I, mean, at that, I mean, it was literally like that big, but eventually like it would have been one. bad, yeah. I don't um, think I ever kept any like weird, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I, I would say when I was little, we lived in an apartment building where the backyard was just like dirt with gravel over the top of it. And if you lifted up the gravel, there's always tons of worms. So my little brother and I captured all the worms and put them in a jar with dirt. But we didn't understand how oxygen works at the time. Mm. So we ended up with a large spaghetti sauce jar full of dead, <laughs> dead worms that was very smelly <laughs> and our parents weren't too happy with us. <laughs> Similarly, we were we had a bunch of like, I call them creeks. They were really like drainage ditches running through our neighborhood but like became you know they become like their own ecosystems at some point but there were a lot of like salamanders and i remember a friend uh and me collecting a bunch of them in a bucket once with like you know we made we put dirt in it and we're like oh they'll they'll live here and then left it out in the sun 
and oh, no. they, they just dried. <laughs> they oh, just no. like petrified. Oh, poor little salamander. <laughs> I didn't know. Yeah, of course. Of course. <laughs> and about the strangest I ever got pet wise was a hamster I was afraid to hold because it bit me the first time I got it. And then <laughs> it, it disappeared one day months later after it was living in my room and i didn't think about it and years later i went to help my mom move something like my senior year of high school in her kindergarten classroom there was my hamster been there for years funny (laughs) Uh, i had hamsters growing up and my older sister while i was at my dad's house dyed them both like blue and purple oh my goodness which i thought was very cool at like four years old but she got in trouble so (laughs) I'm like pretty probably not. They died a few weeks later, so it's entirely possible. I'm pretty allergic allergic to hamsters, so not a lot of hamsters in my house. Delaney does have the bearded dragon uh, that she's had for quite a while. He's gotten fairly big, but I'm still afraid to hold him by myself. So that maybe that counts. I'll pat him, but if she's holding him. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Next up, we have. Our good friend at Wibney, please, you find a mysterious egg. What do you hope hatches out of it? Money. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, like one of those gooses that lay the golden eggs. A giant. Yeah, that'd be awesome. A giant, (laughs) giant murder chicken. A cute puppy. I don't know. (laughs) I was going to say, I'm always good if it's a puppy. Mm -hmm, Me too. I'll vote Beagle. I hope a beagle hatches out. Oh my god, Casey! I love beagles too. I had beagles oh. growing up. <laughs> we got. I'll have to send you a picture of Aggie Char, fat yes. uh, potato oh, beagle. I haven't had a beagle in like a decade, and I miss them so much. They're the best dogs. <laughs> All right. Next up, we have at Effort JB. Which happened first, chicken or egg? Well, they can't all be winners. <laughs> 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 Pass. Not really questioning, yeah. Uh, another one from our good friend at Skizbot. How do you like your eggs? I'm an over easy guy myself. Uh-huh. I'll eat any variety of egg. True. Yeah. True. I like yeah, a good um, soft scramble. Okay, so I don't. That's the one thing I don't like. I can't take it when they're like runny scrambled eggs. Uh, I mean, it's a. It, I will say it's an art form. Like you gotta, yeah. if you do them right, yeah. they're just really creamy and not really like runny. I feel like, but maybe I'm sure there's some psychos out there who like them like real under. <laughs> yeah, if it is, had them from, haven't had them from a good form. place. I love a good poached egg too. Eggs Benedict is like poached one of my eggs. Favorite yeah. A good poached egg is, is amazing. Yeah, I when <laughs> I do fried eggs, I like to. I feel like I was talking about this in the show recently. I like to like you you. Put them in until they're cooked through the bottom, and then you put water in and cover it, and mm-hmm. it like steams the yeah. top. So good. Yeah, I like a good runny yolk in my fried egg, but yeah. Yeah. otherwise I'll eat just about any egg. I'm, I'm a pretty big fan. Eggs, they're good. Yeah. <laughs> Next up, uh, good friend at Metal Prof. Peter Straub died in the last week. Other than Ghost Story, I don't know that any of his books were made into a movie. If you know his works, what's the first book you'd be you'd pick to be movieized. Uh, yeah, well, the biggest one, and I think, hold on here. The, I think it's being made because it didn't, he write, uh, yeah, he wrote the, the talisman, with, the talisman Stephen with Stephen King. Stephen King. Yeah. Oh, okay. yeah. And that's being made, I think into a TV show or something, or it it's is. being talked about. Yeah, I will say, um, Ghost Story was one that I discovered through Shutter TV. I'd never heard of it or seen it before. It's kind of awesomely weird. 
Yeah, it's a good book too. Book I never. I don't even know that I knew. What, yeah. what year is the movie from? Uh, like eight, 1980? Yeah, yeah, okay. Just yeah. it has a really amazing um, ensemble cast of like aging actors at the time. It's good. Yeah, I like. I mean, I that was back during my. I read like every Stephen King book back in the day, and then I that was like I think I read Talisman, and then I read Ghost Story. In any event, I, yeah. those are the only ones I've ever read. Straub though. Otherwise, I don't know that I've read a lot of Peter Straub books other than Ghost Story and Talisman. I need to fix that. There you go. All right. Next up, we have at Schnecky91, favorite avian-themed horror. The giant chicken and food of the gods always freaked me out. Oh, I've never seen that. How about um, Poultrygeist? I was going to say Poultrygeist <laughs> just because of Shinar's reaction. Night yeah, of the <laughs> Chicken Dead. Oh, thanks killing. That's yeah, I was say thanks killing. Like, there's not that well, many. Black, so I would, I would put Black, Black Swan. Swan in there, yeah. yeah. But yeah, the easy ones, the birds, though. That's true. Sure. Right. But there's right. also bird damage. There's some real horrifying. There's some real <laughs> horrifying birds, and I want to say Never Ending Story Two, the one with Jonathan Brandis. There's oh, some, like, you might be right. Real oh, and the birds, birds. like Hitchcock's The Birds. Is well, great. yeah, that was, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. <clears throat> huh. I'll go anything but poultry, guys. <laughs> you hate that one, huh? Yes. <laughs> you know, just... Yeah, I get it. All right, next up, we have a thinker here. Uh, this is a good question. Uh, John, I think this will be big for you too, but Eric, I know it'll be important for you. This comes from at Shiver Me Timbers. This is a three-part question, all ties together. One, what's y'all's favorite podcast genre? Two, what do y'all think of the recent trend of standalone movie-length thriller, horror, and sci-fi podcasts? And three, could this be a way for studios to audi- uh, to audience test movies and development? Huh. To like for like a script test or something. Like audio drama it. in podcast form. Yeah. Yeah. Man. I just listened to a murder mystery one that was really fun recently. That's... So I don't I like that format. It reminds me of those like 40s radio shows. I mean, I, I wasn't alive back then, but my dad has like them all on CD and I listen to yeah. them sometimes and they're fun. Yeah, I'm like, um, I'm flipping through my thing right now. I, mine's real all over the place. I, I have like one wrestling podcast I listen to. I listen to Jim Cornette's drive through It's good stuff, John. I listen to the Jeff Gerstmann show, which is a video game podcast. That was, he was a long time giant bomb guy. Giant bomb guy. Um, yeah. I listen to your mom's house with Tom Segura. It's a comedy oh. podcast. It's yeah, okay. Very, um, like, you know, different. And I listen to Bloody Good Horror. <laughs> I will listen to a really well-made, like, investigative story. So, like, um, there was one Wondery did recently about sex line operators in the 90s. I deleted oh, it. Oh, that one yeah, was operator. really good. I can't remember Operator. Operator. Yeah, that, that anything great. along those lines, like wondering in general, just like knocks yeah. it out of the park pretty consistently. And I just have been listening to a thing called Cover Story from New York Magazine. That's it's a it's an ongoing series about um psychedelics being used for therapy, but it's like an investigative thing into like the people behind the stuff because there's a lot of like shady stuff happening. I'm kind of all over the place, but yeah. Yeah. Casey, I lost the third part of the question. What was the third part? Could this be My, a way for studios to audience test movies in development? Yeah. I mean, they are doing that. Um, yeah. It's. 
it, it, mixed results. I mean, we'll see. Did I? Uh, uh, did, I could see it good for testing a script. Did Limetown yeah. ever come out? Jessica Biel like purchased the rights to Limetown. Uh, and was making a show or something. Oh, that's right. It's yeah, I don't know. There's in development. I don't know that it. I actually don't know if it came out or not. Actually. I'm gonna Google. Yeah, because they've been doing a lot more of that recently, like TV shows based on true crime podcasts. That's mostly what I listen to is like a mix of movie podcasts, true crime, and news. Yeah. yeah. I don't yeah, I don't listen to any um horror podcasts at all. Yeah. I'm really bad about podcasts since I work from home full time now, but I always go for the true crime stuff usually when I do fire one up. John, would it surprise you to know that the Limetown show has both aired and been canceled already? <laughs> it premiered on no, wait for the punchline though it premiered on facebook watch on october 16th oh, well, 2019 does anybody actually watch that starring jessica beale and stanley tucci i love stanley and then tucci. they they did 10 episodes and they canceled it i gotta check this out why the hell do i watch this thing is facebook watch even a thing? presumably on facebook yeah i don't even know uh, i know some people that's- i'm gonna talk to that's funny. I never did catch LimeWire. I did catch a Paul Fagg show that only aired on uh, Yahoo. That did was just, actually not terrible. <laughs> did you just say LimeWire, Casey? Yeah. That's where you download <laughs> viruses Lime from. LimeTown. Lime yeah, LimeTown, not LimeWire. Um, LimeWire is different. I, the, like, the, I don't necessarily have a genre. And like, I don't listen. Like, I mean, I've talked about it a little bit. Like, I work for a <laughs> podcast company, so I have to listen to a lot of my like work stuff. And uh, I have started so that. I have started to have to listen to podcasts professionally and yeah, it changes it a little bit. I mean, it's fine. Like I, you know, I listen, I, I get know, to listen to podcasts and be shows, like, this is good or this is bad. Yeah. The, um, I was telling, I think Casey and Eric, uh, on text, the, uh, I've been listening to Tarantino's podcast and I don't listen to any other movie pods, but I was like, ah, I'll give this a look. It's pretty fun. I don't oh, know. Oh, really? Okay. <laughs> yeah. I watch, yeah. I, I listened to like an eight part one, he did about Halloween before the newest, not Halloween Kills, but the 2018 one came out that was really yeah, good. Yeah. I can't remember what that one was called, but yeah. he was really good on it, actually. Yeah, this is it's called Video Archives. It's him and Roger Avery, who he wrote Pulp Fiction with. And Roger Avery's like made a bunch of other movies, but uh, and they used to work at the video store together because Tarantino oh, okay. famously worked at the video yeah. store. And they only review things on VHS that they have in the store. Cause Tarantino like bought the store, I guess, and, and owns it. Huh. Um, and it's crazy. Like they are, people are like, Oh, I got to like, we, you know, we, we cover cold movies occasionally. They're covering cold movies. I've never heard of like, Oh, nice. They're, nice. they're mostly from like old, they're like older or they're like international. And so, yeah, I mean, I've heard of some of them, but like I've I've only of like they cover three movies every episode and of there's only been like four episodes. So of the 12, I think I've only seen one movie they've covered. Oh, wow. Wow. It's, I'm going to have to check yeah, that out. Interesting. It's, yeah, that some, sounds good. Some deep cuts. In there. What's that called again? It's called Video Archives. Nice. That sounds so. fun. All right. Yeah, we got one more tweet here. And this is comes from another longtime listener at Leaky Pencils. This is our hardest hitting question in a long time. So prepare yourselves. Okay. Sitting. Curly fries versus waffle fries. Go. <laughs> Curly Wa- fries. Waffle. Waffle. There's almost nothing better, and I know they're terrible, but there's almost nothing better than a Chick-fil-A waffle fry in this earth. I can one up that, Eric. Okay. One a, okay. a Chick-fil-A waffle fry dipped in Chick-fil-A mayo. Sure. Yeah. I'll be, uh, yeah. Well, the Chick-fil-A sauce, mayo. Yeah. It's the best. Yeah. I'm yeah. definitely dipping fries um, in mayo pretty much 
But oh. that's a problem now. But I still prefer the waffle fry. <laughs> I love a curly fry. Like the seasoned, like... There's just something mm. about... Here's what it is. I think that there's a ratio of like... It's like a sur- fried surface area thing with the waffle fry. It's so much fried surface. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Well, they, they're definitely engineered for that. Like that's that was... I'm sure. Yeah. The food scientists came out of the food dungeon. At least fucking, science you know, is being used for something good. Yeah. I'll make the uh, audacious statement to say the curly fries aren't the good thing about Arby's. It's the potato cakes. I've never had a potato cake. Had the potato cake. It's like a fat triangular hash brown. Oh, okay. It's good stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and that's it for tweets, Eric. Love it. All right. Let's bang through some uh, Instagram here. I don't know. Most of these aren't serious, so it's fine. <laughs> what are your favorite repressed emotions? Who have used the most repressed? <laughs> I probably would. I probably would have said. I like that I repress it. <laughs> I probably would have said me a couple of years ago, but I think not anymore, John. I'm free freewheeling now. Just letting it. I don't know. I, it may have to be me. I mean, I'm Gen X. We don't talk about our problems, yes. right? Yeah, that's true. We hold it in. <laughs> I definitely am not good at expressing anger, so that's something mm. I've been trying to work on. But it's not a problem I have. Yeah, same. <laughs> I mean, that's a guy thing, though. I feel like we're because we're when when we grew up, we're like it's only taught to express our emotions in anger, so we have the opposite problem. Like we have to learn to do have other emotions than anger. I feel like yeah. <laughs> no, that's fair. Don't hold that anger in Ariel. It's not going to be good in the long run. No, no, it's super unhealthy. I I totally get that. I mean, that's the. I think that's part of what you know, drew me to hatching too is because she has this doppelganger that gets to express all of her rage. So it was interesting you- that like the, the word for hatching, like in Finnish, mm-hmm. the director was saying it means brooding. So it was more, it's actually really about that. Like that kind of like festering. Yeah. I'm yeah, still waiting for you to pronounce the word. Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Would you rather fight 100 duck sized horses or one horse sized duck? <laughs> I said a hundred duck sized, a ho- a- yeah. Horse-sized duck yeah. sounds are terrifying. Yeah, a horse-sized duck could like small, hundred small. A horse-sized duck could like eat you. Yeah, yeah. Plus, Definitely. maybe you could befriend the little horses. You know. Plus, with their little, their little like horse, their <laughs> little horse. Blood thirsty, Ariel. They're blood <laughs> thirsty. Well, then I could slam them under my boot. You know. Right. I, I mean, I'm thinking they're those little horse duck legs. I might be allowed to run them. Like you can't run a horse, but maybe a horse with duck length legs, you could. <laughs> sure. Sure. <laughs> uh, what is something important? Fast, what is something important you've lost and never found again? When I was oh. a kid. I remember going to a carnival with my grandparents and they got me this cheap little gizmo toy plush thing. And it was like the coolest toy that I'd ever had. And I lost it and never Aww. found it. And I think about it sometimes. <laughs> I, oh, I don't know that I have anything like that. Um, have you ever faced adversity in your life, John? <laughs> <laughs> I just don't like hold on to it. Like, so like I've lost, like I was going to say like, I lost a wallet one time that was like pretty traumatic. You and you're like, losing eh, a wallet it's fine. Sucks. <laughs> no, nah, it's just like, ugh. I was very miserable for like two days. And then it's like, all right, fine, I've, it's, fun. it's not really the same as losing, but I've had some hard drives crash on me and lost like creative projects that I'll never get back. Ooh. Yeah. Including, I had a, yeah, in, I actually had a similar situation. Including like, I, long. I always wish I could bust out like screen caps of the original bloodygoodhorror.com because man, 
was it just an amazing 2001 internet time capsule? And like Mark swears he has a DVD somewhere or something, but I'm sure at this point it's probably like rotted. It's probably not even functioning anymore. <laughs> the closest it's thing cool, I yeah. can think of uh, recently is I keep all my drawing pencils in a little uh, leather pouch. And there's a time last year I lost that leather pouch and I couldn't find it for like two months, tore the house apart. And one night I happened to be taking the trash out and happened to glance over at our couch going through the living room. And there it was just sitting there on the back of the couch. What? <laughs> on the back of the couch? <laughs> yeah, where I never That's looked. Old. Were they oh, like fucking crazy. with you? Oh, wow. You just, I'll, I'll tell I, you. They could have been fucking with me. I don't know. I'll tell you what. <laughs> I'll tell you what. Speaking of anger, a few things make me angrier than losing my AirPods. I yeah. want to talk about first world problems. <laughs> Shit makes me, it's so tiny. The stupid AirPod case makes me so mad. Well, when I want to leave the house and I can't find my keys, mm. I go, it's like full rage. Yes. Like I'm just like, God damn it. Agreed. I have to keep them in a little bowl by the door yeah. or I would lose them every Same. single day of my life. Yeah. So that's yeah. funny. My, <laughs> the lady's boyfriend's forever losing his keys and I keep telling him, got to put them in the same place every time. And we get, have, you know, every, Couple days it comes over. I can't find my keys. Yeah, you know they make a they make these go in the same spot every time. They make yeah. these things now called air tags. You familiar with these, John? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're yeah. like little things you just put on something, and then your phone can just find it. Yeah, but if I put my wallet, and my keys in the same spot on my desk every night when I take them out, they're always going to be there. No, look, I haven't <laughs> lost my, I've never lost the keys, but it's like even having to spend five minutes looking for them when I'm trying to yeah. watch out the Frustrating. door. Frustrating. Yeah. I, oh, yeah. And I do put them in the same place every time. It's that like they get moved by someone that's not well, me. You got kids. That's <laughs> All right, Schnars, you're up. Just escaped Florida and moved to New York City area for a job. Any tips or recommendations? What's your tips for NYC virgins, John? <laughs> I mean, like I would probably need more information. Watch Seinfeld; it'll kind of teach you everything you need to know. <laughs> no. Look, like you do, you need to find your corner store slash bodega slash like know where your Dwayne Reed is. That's going to be your Dwayne Reed, you know. Uh, would you recommend having a car in the city? I mean, if you can afford it, it's real nice. It's fucking expensive though. It's not. Do you have a car? For, we, yeah, my wife's company pays for a car basically so Do they pay you know, for the have, parking too well they pay a fixed like a flat amount and so like we bought a car it did it covered the cost of the car but not the parking then we paid off the car and so now it covers the parking because we don't have so what's other. the parking sitch like indoor outdoor what do we got here well you can park on the street anytime you want but you have to move your car a lot because they clean the streets on like you know Every street's different and you need to know when your street is getting cleaned and then you need to move the car ahead of when the street's getting cleaned or that shit is like you're in trouble. Um, so we like we pay for a spot that's it's again, it's very expensive. I'm not saying it's not expensive, but uh, it's nice. It's like a very nice luxury that makes living in the city not as crazy. Is that where the expensive part comes, though, is having to pay for the parking and all that? Yeah. Well, and like if you got car payments, depending on well, yeah, but that looks like but... it's not great, and gas ain't cheap. Um, so yeah. All right, lightning round. Would you rather have another Friday the Thirteenth or Nightmare on Elm Street? Oh. How about how about another Freddy versus Jason? Mm-hmm. I I would go Friday. Well, like I'm pretty. I would be pretty cool if they just put Nightmare on Elm Street to rest forever. Because like I'm sorry, you're just never gonna replace yeah. Robert Englund. I know I sound like an old man saying that, but I think you have a better chance 
Uh, granted, they tried to make a new Friday the 13th, didn't quite work out, but I think you have a better chance of continuing Friday the yeah. 13th than Nightmare. Uh, Jason is a character I just want to live forever and find just find the dumbest ways to do it. I don't care. Just keep him in my life, please. Right. And you just need some a voiceless huge hunk of a man the, uh, behind the hockey mask and you're right. good to go. It can be anyone. There's been rumblings that the, all the legal stuff behind that was finally settled and that supposedly there's a, a sequel at New Line in the works or something. Oh, Ooh. that's exciting. Yeah. And then he says, the same person, I take that back. Would you rather never have another Friday the 13th or Scream ever again? Scream. I could do without any more Screams. I'm good with Scream, bro. <laughs> Let's end it. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, Although, that's hard for me because like this last one was disappointing, but I love that franchise so much that- I do love Scream. I, never have anymore. I do love Scream and I loved Scream 4, but I remember at the time being like, man, this was way better than it had any right to be, I feel like. Yeah. Um, and, and in a weird way, it is almost, it is almost built to be continually rebooted because just how meta it is and just, you could just keep yeah. updating it for how society has changed. You know what I mean? But I yeah, still, and how horror movies have changed. I'm a yeah. child of the eighties. So it's still, I want, I want my Jason. He's like my whoopee, you know, John, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> uh, was that all the lightning round? That was it. We weren't lightning. Actually, that was, we actually discussed those. <laughs> you know, thinking of those through, J another Friday the Thirteenth might be harder because I don't think teenagers camp as much these days. Well, you got to deal with cell phones too. It's a whole thing. Yeah, yeah there's that, <laughs> there's certainly um, considerations unless you do a throwback, which could be cool. Yeah, could be cool. Yeah. All right, everyone, that's gonna do it. Um, Ariel, thank you for joining us this evening. Thank you for having me. Don't forget yeah. to check out Ariel fun. and Rachel and Matilda and everybody else over at Zombie Girls. Search for Zombie Girls G R R L Z in your podcasting app of choice. Check us out, Bloody Good Horror, uh, Patreon.com/slash Bloody Good Horror. We are um, the site is still down. Webmaster Mark is currently dealing with the world's least responsive um uh you know tech, oh, tech support team so we're trying to get that back up but stay tuned hopefully it won't be happening soon and uh we are gonna take a week off next week classic in the feed got some stuff going on and then we'll be back and hitting the road for spooky season and i assure you i'll be um uh, rallying for some dumb movies folks so hang in there <laughs> we're going back to the theater he said sure let's do that all right we're gonna Ready? get that fall movie in, whatever it's called, like where they're just on the tower. I the don't know. fall. The yeah. fall. We're yeah. definitely watching that. It's I happening. All right, everyone, that's gonna do it for BGH. Hope you enjoyed the show, and we'll talk to you next week. See you. Bye. Bye bye. <laughs>